0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.
1: Good morning and welcome to episode number 88 of Go To Grandma. I'm your Go To Grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and this show is airing on Zoomer Radio on April 15th, 2023. Do you feel like spring is finally here? I do, and one thing that puts a spring in my step is trying to avoid the occasional reminder that there are dogs in the neighborhood and that I live on a corner lot with a fire hydrant. No one would ever describe me as a dog lover, and no one described author Rona Maynard as one either until she got a dog. Rona is back on the show with me today to tell me about her new book, Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging and Loving This World. She'll tell us why she decided to get her first dog at age 65 and what he has brought to her. You won't be barking up the wrong tree if you listen to my interview today with Lisa Sefton from Travel Ontario. She's going to guide us through some of the best trails that Ontario has to offer. And she'll also offer us some advice on how to make hiking with our grandkids fun and easy no matter where we do it. Plus, trail etiquette, which I'm sure will include how to leave it as we found it as Earth Day approaches next week. We keep it outside as our Take 5 with RBC interview delves into their Tech for Nature initiative. This multi-year commitment is all about preserving the world's greatest wealth, our natural ecosystem. We want to do that for our grandkids' sake as well as for our own. Is my bark worse than my bite? We'll find out as I bite off as much as we can eschew about dogs, trails, and nature. Doggone it, it's going to be a good show. Rona Maynard is up first. Rona Maynard found happiness at 65, a story she tells in her new memoir, Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging and Loving This World. Rona capped a stellar career in magazines with a decade at the helm of Chatelaine magazine. And after that, she had to learn to unwind and found that her best teacher was a rescue mutt who had received his basic training in a prison. She has been married more than 50 years and is a firm believer that road trips go better with a dog in the backseat. Good morning, Rona Maynard. Being in studio, it's so nice to see you. It's wonderful to see you. It's been a long time for us. We've been in the biz for a while, and it's been a while since we met up in person. So I'm so excited to have you in to talk about your new book. I'm excited to be here. So your new book, Starter Dog, which I read, of course, this week, I loved it. I admit in the intro to the show, I am not a dog person, so I still don't have my first dog. But you got yours at the age of 65. But was it your idea, Rona, to get the dog?
2: Absolutely not. (laughs) I was not a dog person. I was just a dog person, as in, why does a dog need a sweater? Why do you mourn a dog who has died? But my husband very much wanted a dog. He had never had a dog of his own. And he talked me into it. And you admit that in the book right off the bat.
1: You know, your husband has, you know, these ideas which you often go, well, no. (laughs) But this was a good one.
2: Truth is, if it wasn't for my husband, I'd never try anything
1: new. <laughs> well, good for him. And when you, so you get the dog, you've had him out for how long, the dog?
2: Eight years. Wow. Wow. So quite a while. I can hardly remember not having him.
1: So what was that moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt this dog at age 65. What inspired you to do that?
2: Love, pure and simple. Not for the dog. I didn't think that I could love a dog, but... I did love my husband. (laughs) Yeah, good. (laughs) And he believed so deeply in this project that I let my love and his belief just carry me forward. I really needed to shake up my life. I was in a funk. Mm. It had been a while since I had left my big important job at Chatelaine. I was looking for something. To replace it, I thought it was going to be some huge, complicated, professional project. Lo and behold, it was hanging out with a dog who just moseyed along and loved life.
1: And your dog's name is? Casey. Casey. So Casey comes into your life, and you had a long list of must-haves for this first dog. So how close, you have this image in your head of
2: what Rona, the dog owner,
1: is going to be like. How close did that come in real
2: life? Mm-hmm. Not very close. Casey is a lot bigger. The rescue people handed us a line. I wanted a shaggy dog with button (laughs) eyes who looked like a character in my favorite childhood book. I wanted a dog who was great with children. And although they told us he was great with kids... He's not.
1: Because you have a grandson, I believe, We right? did. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, we do. You do, But yeah. our mm-hmm. grandson was then a young kid, mm-hmm. and we thought that he and our dog would be the best of friends. It did not work out that way. And if I had known that they were not going to hit it off, I would have said, no, we've got to keep looking. People have this idea in their heads and it's not just about dogs, it's about their life partner, it's about their job, it's about where they're going to live. Oh, it's got to tick all the boxes. But sometimes ticking the boxes will blind you to what's really right for you. What's the expression, sacrificing the perfect for the good, or the good for the perfect? That's what
1: it is. Don't, actually, let,
2: right? the, don't right. let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Thank
1: you. Yes, I knew, you, I knew you'd know that quote. And it's true, right? And certainly was true in your case with the dog.
2: Yes. And the rescue organization really didn't know a lot about this dog. Mm. He had been trained in a prison. That much is true. They told us that he was a lab pug mix. They were blowing hot air. <laughs> I was going to ask what type of dog he He's years, got but... no lab and no pug. And the reason we know this is my husband is a family historian deep into DNA mm. testing. And of course, our dog has had his DNA tested. Of course, as one does. <laughs> yes. He's more beagle than anything okay. else.
1: Okay. So people can get a picture. Well, you can see him on the cover of your book, which of course I encourage people to pick up. And you talk about in the book too, about learning things from a dog that you didn't feel humans could teach you. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Sure. I had consulted a lot of folks with diplomas on their walls in my quest to be a happier, more relaxed person. I'd had different kinds of therapy. I had done deep yoga. Mm -hmm. I had sat in the church basement repeating the 12 steps, no diploma there, but (laughs) the idea is still the same, Mm -hmm. that you go to people for the help that you need. And words are going to open your heart in a different way. Words are going to turn the key in that lock. And with Casey, it was not mediated by words. It was pure feeling. Hmm. I was out with him every day, and when he stopped, I stopped. I looked around at what was above me and at my feet, and right in front of me, I saw frogs and a bee navigating a flower to make honey. I saw a bird build her nest. I had just never paid attention before to all the marvels right in front of me.
1: And Casey taught you that. He did. He didn't he even did. know he was teaching. <laughs> exactly, that, was, <laughs> that was the
2: best thing, you know, because yeah. humans do tend to get a little bit teacherly with you. And I remember when I was in therapy, sometimes my shrink would say to me, good work, Rona. Well, Casey never did that.
1: Right. No, that would be another story if the dog actually said those (laughs) words. (laughs) And people can read excerpts of your book now in Reader's Digest. I read that on a plane, actually, just a little while ago, and I think in Zoomer Magazine as well.
2: Uh, There is an article in Zoomer about the role of animals in the lives of seniors. There you go. Because this is the best time of life.
1: Right on target. And the book itself is called Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging and Loving This World. So go into your favorite bookseller, ask for the book. I'm sure you're going to find it. Publication date is April the 18th, just a couple of days away. And you can also go to Rona's website at ronamaynard.com and find it there. And it is a great read. I, As I said, I'm not a dog person, but I enjoyed reading the book through your eyes. I'm still not ready for a dog, Rona. <laughs> I have four kids. I used to say, go put a leash on a brother. We don't need a dog. But it's it's a really inspiring book and, and the things that this Casey has taught you. I, I loved reading it. Thanks so much, Rona. Thank you. And we're going to be right back with some trails in Ontario to take your grandkids out on or your dog, whichever you want to do. Lisa Sefton is a broadcast media specialist with Destination Ontario. Her job is to showcase tourism attractions and experiences across the province. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks so much for coming back on Go To Grandma.
3: Thanks for having me on the show,
1: Kathy. I'm so excited to have you on to talk about some great hikes and trails and family friendly locations in Ontario. We're big hikers and walkers and my grandkids are very young, like one and three. So what are some great family friendly locations that you'd like to feature today?
3: Oh, there's so many. I mean, Ontario is home to more than 80,000 kilometres of trails that range from gentle hikes, which would be good for your grandkids, Mm -hmm. to challenging adventure hikes and climbs. And there really is a trail out there for everyone, including trails that are accessible by wheelchair, which is great. If you're not familiar with hiking or the various Ontario trail systems, a great place to start is um, at Ontario Provincial Parks. So these trails are maintained. They're well marked with signage throughout the trail. They're also really well rated. So you can find information about the trail before you even set foot on it. So the info can be found online at the Ontario Parks website Or there's usually a sign with the trail map at the start of every trail that lists information like the degree of difficulty as well as the length of the trail. Trails range from one kilometre or less to more than 20 kilometres. So (laughs) when you're with grandkids, it's really good to know in advance before you set foot how far you're going to be going. But there are literally thousands of kilometres of trails at Ontario parks alone. So I'll quickly just mention a couple of great kid-friendly ones. Uh, There's the Subs Falls Loop that is um, just one of the trails at Arrowhead Provincial Park. It's just north of Huntsville. It's a great trail for families because it's nice and short. It's just over two kilometres long, which should take about 45 minutes, and it passes a beautiful waterfall. Uh, there's also the Beaver Pond Trail, uh, which is just one of seven trails at Owenda Provincial Park near Penetanguishene. This is one kilometre long. It's a barrier-free loop around a boardwalk uh, with beautiful views of Nipissing Bluff um, and an excellent opportunity for viewing wildlife, which the kids would love. Um, and most provincial parks are open in May, if they're not already open, and some require a daily uh, vehicle permit to access the park and the trails. And depending on the park... Uh, This can range from $12 to $21 and even less for seniors and people with disabilities. Um, Now, outside of provincial parks, there are many conservation areas that offer fabulous trails. Uh, For example, the Toronto and Region Conservation Authority has hiking trails at Albion Hills Conservation Park, uh, the Courtright Centre for Conservation, Petticoat Creek Conservation Park, and so many more There are 36 conservation authorities across Ontario. Uh, There's even an interactive map on the Conservation Ontario website where you can find an authority near you. Um, And there's also great trail systems at many Ontario government agencies. For example, uh, the Royal Botanical Gardens has more than 27 kilometres of nature trails in Burlington and Hamilton. Uh, They have the Coots Paradise Trails, as well as the Hendry Valley Trail System and the Escarpment Property Trails, some of which are classified as wilderness trails. Um, But I'll warn you that some of these trails here do have some hills, so they might be for some of the older grandchildren. Um, And Niagara Parks actually has some spectacular trails at the Niagara Glen. Uh, these are perfect for those seeking a bit more adventure. Deep in the Niagara Gorge, there's, a, there's stairways that lead up to four kilometres of hiking paths that are considered to be moderate degree of difficulty, um, but they wind through the Carolinian forest and overlook the rapids in the Niagara River, so it is truly an adventure if, if you want to um, head that way. Um, and finally, not a lot of people are aware of the great waterfront trail at Ontario Place in Toronto. Uh, the Trillium Park and William G. Davis Trail is over seven acres of public green space right on Toronto's waterfront. Uh, The trail is just over one kilometre long, and it's surrounded by trees and plants and rock formations, so it's a great place to take the grandkids for um, a hike and a picnic. I could go on with these trails (laughs) all day. Um, There really are so many opportunities for great hikes with families across Ontario, Um, and we have a list of hiking trails on our website at DestinationOntario.com.
1: I learned a few new ones as you're speaking there. I think I've been on a lot of them, but that was great. So um, if you're not familiar with a lot of the trails, what should people know before they head out, like planning ahead, that sort of thing? What should they find out first?
3: Of course, definitely know before you go. Uh, know the abilities and limitations of everybody in your group before heading out on a trail. Um, you can research the trail of ahead head time, like know how long it is, know how hard it will be, what the terrain will be like. Uh, Some websites will even list the trail conditions that day. For example, some hiking trails may be closed in the early spring if there's still icy patches. All of this is good to know before heading out. Um, Also know what the weather forecast Mm -hmm. will be in the area because that will help you determine, A, whether you're going to go or not. And if you want to go in the rain, what to wear. It's also great to tell someone where you're going and then when you expect to be back just for safety and no trail etiquette. I like to tell my kids when we're out hiking that from wildflowers to the wildlife, we are visiting someone else's home, so we need to act that way. Um, Minimize your impact on the environment by staying on the trail. Pack out what you pack in. Um, If you want to bring a pet, keep them on a leash and out of any water sources. Also be sure to clean up after your pet. Mm -hmm. Respect nature and the local ecosystem. I know how much little ones will want to take rocks or flowers or pieces of wood home with them. But instead, kind of practice a leave-no-trace principle by um, taking photos of these things instead. For a full list of great Trails etiquette, um, you can visit parks. dot com and um, just type in Trails etiquette and you can find out all the things you need to know.
1: Wow, no, that's great advice. I love leaving it how you found it, right? Exactly right. right. So any um, tips you could share with us quickly on hiking with children, you know what to bring or where that sort of thing?
3: Yes, needless to say, hiking with children can be an adventure, <laughs> yep. but a fun one. Um, so here's some tips to make sure everybody can enjoy their experience. Keep it easy and fun for the little ones. As they say, it's about the journey, not the destination. So pick a trail with some neat features to see, like a stream or a waterfall or something that will keep them occupied. Uh, plan extra time. Kids love to explore. So give yourself that time to slow down and look around and really take everything in from the sights to the smells be prepared for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, carry a light backpack with water, wet wipes, of course, snap. But binoculars or magnifying glasses if you have them, there's, there's such a neat tool to bring with you and to help you explore with the grandkids. Even a safety whistle would be great to give each child, but yeah, that's you, a great have, to idea. Teach them. you yeah. have to teach them well, what they're for and when to use them. Otherwise, you might Not ever let them have a whistle again. (laughs) (laughs) True. There are so many resources that you can tap into to make the most of your time on Ontario Trails. Definitely visit the Ontario Parks website, like I've mentioned. Um, There's also Ontario Parks Information Centres. There's Ontario Trails Council. There's also the All Trails website and app. And, of course, Destination Ontario can be a great resource for planning your next hike. We have um, Ontario travel centres located all across the province with knowledgeable travel counsellors. You can talk to them in person or by phone by calling 1-800-ONTARIO. You can even set up a virtual Zoom travel counselling appointment with one of these travel counsellors, and it's absolutely free. Um, And, of course, you can always visit our website at destinationontario.com.
1: That is amazing information. I did not know about that the Zoom and the app, you can actually find the trails on as well. And you're right, besides DestinationOntario.com, you post some lovely photos of everywhere you're going on social media, and we can find that on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all under Ontario Travel. Thank you so much for this, Lisa. Now I'm inspired to go outside today. (laughs) Great. Me too. Thanks again. Thank you. Jim Zoutner has been at SATE for almost 14 years and has been a leader in higher education throughout his career. SATE offers more than 300 courses and development programs from apprenticeships to continuing education to fill skill gaps and meet industry needs across a range of trades. Kathy Warbeck is Executive Director of Green Learning, a charitable organization developing and delivering innovative learning and teaching resources with rich educational experiences that empower young Canadians to affect positive social, economic, and environmental change in their lives, schools, and communities. Good morning, Jim Zoutner and Kathy Warbeck. Thanks so much for being part of our Take 5 with RBC interview this morning. Thanks, Kathy. Great to be here. So we are going to talk about decarbonizing the future with electric vehicles. I am a fan of an electric vehicle. I have one myself. I've had one for over five years. So, Jim, can you tell us a little bit more about the Southern Alberta Institute of Technology and the programs at SAIT that are supporting a cleaner environment and the EV Readiness Initiative and what you see as the impact now and for the future?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So, State is Canada's oldest polytechnic institution at 107 years young. State was founded in 1916 with a mission to retrain, retrain soldiers from World War I. The two founding programs were motor mechanics and metalworking. So you could say upscaling talent for the transportation industry is at our core. If you fast forward to today, State's made up of eight schools aligned to industry sectors, offering credentials from apprenticeship to degrees. And although times have changed, our mission is, remains the same, to prepare students for successful careers and lives. Specifically to the RBC Foundation, they provided state with funds to accelerate our EV readiness initiatives. Our goal is to develop the automotive service technician of the future. As of Q2 2022, estimates were that over 11,600 automotive service technician positions were open, and that had more than doubled from the year before. This labour crunch is further compounded with the shortage of techs specializing in EVs in Canada. Our strategy to fill the gap is threefold. Firstly, is to offer more youth engagement initiatives such as dual credit programs and career exploration programs tailored specifically to the transportation sector. Is to redesign our current programming to increase the level of sophistication of content specifically to electric vehicles. And thirdly, is to offer micro-credentials to current automotive technicians to upskill them to service EVs.
1: And Kathy, can you now tell us about Green Learning's project with high schools and how your partnership with Sate is working and the benefits to your program from the partnership?
4: Sure. So green learning is all about empowering youth in the energy transition, climate action, and opportunities in the green economy. We've been offering programs to K-12 educators for over 10 years, and we engage with both teachers and students. We know that youth want to be part of climate action, and the transition to zero-emission vehicles is a key solution for tackling climate change. So as Jim said, there is a growing demand for technicians and skilled tradespeople in the electric vehicle sector, but education systems are struggling to keep pace. So in 2022, we launched the project, the energy electrifying the future with funding support from the RBC Foundation, Natural Resources Canada and the Calgary Foundation to help high schools prepare students to better understand electrical vehicles, charging infrastructure and career opportunities. And Green Learning is teaming up with Crescent Heights High School with the Calgary Board of Education and other partners such as ChargePoint, a leader in creating a network of electric vehicle charging stations, high voltage garage, Xeno renewables, Safe, and Reelectric at the University of Calgary. All of the partners are working together to support the teachers and students in an electric car conversion and installing charging stations at the school. The goal is really to develop hands-on experience for the students in the electric vehicle transition and then to help all schools across Canada better prepare students for this transition. The learning from this pilot is being captured in a learning guide and videos, and we'll be sharing that with high schools across Canada, with school boards, and with provincial education departments. We're also creating some innovative online simulations that can be used by teachers to help students better understand all aspects of the systems needed for the transition. One key element of the project is the conversion of a 1975 Volkswagen Beetle to an electric car. State and Crescent Heights students are learning together, with SAIT creating a capstone project on EVs for their fourth-year students the Crescent Heights students visiting state to better understand the skills needed to help them explore future careers, and for all the project partners to support the students in the electric vehicle conversion. Getting the VW Beetle ready has also included a lot of restoration work, and students from the Career and Technology Centre, also with the CBE, have been doing this work and are also connected with the project. So the project really provides the students with the hands-on learning and opportunities to showcase their work in the community. In a presentation that the students did for other students, they expressed how fortunate they are to get to learn new skills that will ultimately help them in their future careers. The students are really proud of their work, both in completing the conversion and in knowing they are leading the way for other high school students. So a key benefit to the high school students comes through the mentorship from the State EV Tech students. And by extension, creating a new awareness and pipeline for students to the state program. So the connections between high schools and programs like SAIT are key. And this project allows us to guide the development of the programs to bridge the gap for the workforce needed in the transition in both high schools and post-secondary. And thanks to the RBC Foundation, we're able to provide these opportunities for youth. So we're really looking forward to the next steps of the project to ensure high schools across Canada are providing youth with career opportunities in the clean energy sector and for youth to be the actual leaders in the electric vehicle transition. And one way they become the leaders is in sharing their learnings with their families and community.
1: Jim, so from the perspective of SATE, while we can see the benefit of the Green Learning Initiative Program for creating a pipeline from high school to post-secondary, why are these initiatives so important for all Canadians?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So bottom line, these types of initiatives are critical to developing our future Canadian workforce. Just like Kathy said, the youth of today are the leaders of tomorrow. And the apprenticeship model of education has a proven track record of developing exceptional leaders. Our students are developing critical mentoring skills by working with the high school students that will serve them as a transition from post-second education into the workforce. Now, while EVs are only 5% of the new vehicle registrations are currently in Canada, uh, we're projecting this will climb significantly. Hence, why we're investing in updating our curriculum with EV content while layering in the mentorship, it's this combination of hard and soft skills that will define the automotive service technician of the future. As we focus on the technician of the future, we're still emerging from the complications from the previous two years. Stance Canada has reported that apprenticeship noticeably had declined throughout the pandemic. That's true. However, we are currently seeing a recovery. State's automotive programming has recovered from the decline during the pandemic. where We now have about 950 students in our apprenticeship programs specific to the automotive service technician or into our automotive service technology diploma. As we move into 2023-24 academic year, we're actually forecasting this number to exceed 1,000. As we look at the expected growth for EVs, we expect this to be a game changer for the automotive industry. In order to meet these challenges, we plan to continue our collaborations with high school, industry, and the general public to promote careers in the transportation sector and to be a national leader training the automotive service technicians of the future.
1: Thank you so much for your time this morning. If we want more information, we can go to your website at sate.ca. that's S-A-I-T, or we can learn about RBC's climate commitments and funding partnerships like these initiatives by checking rbc.com slash climate. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Groucho Marx said that. I hope you get into Rona's book about her dog and get outside where it's light to take in some great spring weather and trails. Thanks to Rona and Lisa for joining me today. And thanks to RBC for helping to make sure we have somewhere to walk with our dogs and our grandkids for years to come. Next week on Go-to Grandma, we're going to get older and bolder with podcaster Debbie McCullough, a retired pharmacist and grandma who decided to launch a podcast to celebrate life as we age. Such an inspiring story and one you won't want to miss. One thing we'd like to miss out on is menopause. Am I right, ladies? Jackie Court was tired of being tired from her perimenopause and menopause symptoms, so she decided to launch comfort kits for women going through the same thing. What's in the kit? You'll have to tune in to find out. Don't worry, the week will go by in a hot flash. Plus, our Take 5 with RBC interview looks at assigning power of attorney to your spouse. All you need to know. Thanks for coming by today and joining us for fun and facts. I'm your go-to grandma, Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to this show on Zoomer Radio or via podcast, and I thank you for that. Either way, I hope you join us again for a brand new episode every single week. Enjoy your grand journey.
0: Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter, at Kathy Buckworth, or email her, kathy at kathybuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.